0: Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Here we go. Here's another episode of Don't Die with Bob and Chuck, two counselors. who are going to help you understand what benzodiazepines and, and opiates are. We had a question,
1: right, Chuck? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we had a question from
0: last episode that we weren't we were saying benzos and opiates like everybody knows what benzos and opiates are so do we want to list them all the things that you use to sleep or for anxiety those are benzodiazepine linesta valium xanax clonopin um ativan ativan that that's our right, guest. Right yeah. The mighty G- Jack is our guest, <laughs> P- piping in. But, oh yeah, hello,
1: Jack. So, Jack Grisham,
0: the the genius of Huntington Beach, Ooh, this, yeah. the sage of the Orange County, the man who, when I was eighteen years old in the parking lot of the Cuckoo's Nest, I th- I thought if I ever get like that, I would never take drugs again. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? If you
1: ever get like that. It's too bad
0: that didn't work. He was, scared. he was like not scared of anything. You're too young to remember. He was not scared of anybody or anything. I was scared of everything and everybody. And to see a guy pumped up with loads or whatever was your forte back then, Jack... <laughs> Not scared of adults or doormen or cops or anything. Was you know you would think it would be awe-inspiring. It was more like a warning. If you get that crazy,
2: (laughs) (laughs) you can spend your life like this. Yeah, Yeah. that
0: was. Yeah, and there was a movie came out about the cuckoo's nest. I saw.
2: Yeah, I used to tell the kids the kids you know that joke about. I've been fucking my life up so long that the kids think I'm keeping it real. (laughs) They they don't have any idea that there's no other channel than the one I run.
0: That's it. And you're legendary in punk rock and in politics and in sobriety and in folklore of Orange County. And it's good to have you here on the show because we're mostly focused on kids dying. I guess Chuck had another kid die over the weekend or on father's day. So depressing. Have you ever seen no, so many rough. kids dying, Jack? You've been around this forever. I've never seen no, it.
2: not like this. Not not as much as it is now. You know what I mean? I remember like when I was in high school and later on I ran out of high school, you know, whatever, in the twenties, early twenties. We're real rare. You know, so rare that and now it's like people just left and right. it's crazy. I'm my nephew Lost my grandma, lost my first wife. I, I mean, people just bam, bam, out, 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 and dead. It's and not just out and drunk; it's out and dead.
0: I know, and the and. You know, I I get to see all the stuff because I'm uh, associated with Dr. Drew and he gets to see all the, you know, all the, you know, the autopsies and all what's going on. And apparently what's been happening over years and years period of time is millennials who started their drug experience at 13 and 14 um not with pot and whiskey they stole out of a neighbor's house but with oxycotton so when their right. first drug experience is basically morphine their tolerance by the time they go to street drugs at 17 16 17 18 is that w- w- what the drug cartels were noticing is they weren't they weren't converting uh, you know clients so easily because if you've been doing 280 milligram Oxycontins for two years, you take one shitty bag of Mexican dope from downtown L.A., you're not even going to feel it. And here's this big right. scary thing you were going to do, heroin. Um, and and they were not, they were not, it wasn't registering in their <laughs> opiated brains. <laughs> they were not impressed. Yeah. And so what the cartels did was was uh, you know lift more and more the the purity of the heroin until it really held customers much like a methadone clinic. You know how they go- keep moving you up until you stop using heroin. That's what the cartels yeah, was, were doing. <laughs> yeah, that. See, I, I was
2: lucky because that was never my back I mean, the Adaban later on, but it was like for mostly for me, it was the booze and the coke and the mushrooms and the. Weed,
0: and, you know. What was I mean? <laughs> oh, <is> that? It. <laughs> what were you? What were you so wasted on at the Cuckoo's Nest in the parking lot? What right. were just drunk? It probably just...
2: probably just could have been just alcohol. Probably just Jesus. Alcohol. Or Maybe some or a little. It could have been a little. Could have been the alcohol imbalance, which was always a, one of my, uh, you know, B and Z vodka valiums.
0: Vodka and volume. yeah, that, that sounds like what I saw.
1: <laughs> he was probably sober. Yeah. That's how we could do the combo.
0: <laughs> and, and let's, there was legendary people in that parking lot. What, whatever happened to Pat Brown? Is he still alive? He died. Oh, no, uh, died. He died.
2: And it was so crazy. This guy, you know, that guy does this song written about him and so crazy and running the police over with his car. He died because he fell off a bicycle and hit his head. And didn't go to the hospital to get checked
0: out. You're kidding? Yeah. No, and
2: he laid down and went. He laid down and went to sleep, and uh, same as and went to sleep and just died.
0: That's the same story as pa- as uh, Steve Bader's was in Paris, got hit by right. a cab in the side, right. and didn't go to the hospital blood internally. Right. punk rockers are notorious for not liking to uh, go to the hospital or go to the to go to the rehab or go to the jail right i no, not
2: at all my first vers- i had a heart <laughs> well, I, was gonna say I had a heart issue going on and my because my heart was beating all out of rhythm so i and when i laid down it got worse so I figured, well, I'll just sleep sitting up. <laughs> See? <laughs> so it's like, so, this was
0: weak. So how does our generation, I'm the same way. Like, I I don't go to the doctor ever. Like, I, I, I don't even know why I have health care because I'm not going to use it. But, but these kids nowadays, they love going to hospitals and urgent cares and doctors and psychiatrists yeah. and rehab yeah. centers. They love it. How did we... Go to from this, you know what I think millennials need is a bit of antisocial personality disorder. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no fuck you in them at all. No, no, no. Why was there so think, much? Yeah. Why was there so much fuck you in us? I, I don't know. My reaction to everything is fuck you.
2: <laughs> yeah, first reaction. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me do something for you. Fuck you.
1: Well, wait a minute. Wait a
0: minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> You, you know, I, yeah. I I tried to help a friend of mine out the other day that was all, you know, having some problems. And basically he said, you know, are you, are you trying to, are you talking about like some AA bullshit or whatever? And I was like, no, I just love, I just love you and care about you. And he's like, he was very guarded. You can't say I love you and yeah. care about you. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, that's funny. But, you know, I don't know what, what happened to this, you know, two generations later that they just got no fuck you in them. They're just, whatever corporate America sells them as music, they dance to it, and whatever right. whatever jeans they're supposed to have, or watches, or sunglasses, they buy them. And, and it's, it's really a problem when it comes into the recovery world, into the rehab world, because I'm... Tooled for fuck you I'm not tooled for like Nothing You know what I mean right. So, right. No
2: response a... no, no, no awareness whatsoever like would... I've sat with guys before and say, Hey you, you understand this is a fatal illness Right <laughs> you're fucking, You understand this you're, you're claiming a fatal illness When you tell me you're one of these people yeah, but they don't, and they, they just, don't see
0: it. They don't even respond. Like when somebody no. somebody told me that in 1984, and I was like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> yeah, and you so tell, you tell them. So I was doing this lecture a couple Tuesdays ago at this this uh, rehab group, and I said, I just said, you know, what a disease is, and whether you believe this is a disease or not, but it is. It is genetically based, it's progressive, and it's deadly. This little nineteen year old girl raised her hand and goes, I just disagree.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I just disagree.
0: And I was like, on what part? And I feel she's like, like I
1: disagree. I
0: just I just don't <laughs> agree that it's a disease. And I said, Okay, then explain why somebody's paying three thousand dollars a day for you to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah
2: it frustrates the hell out of me. I, I can't, you know, it's it, it just I just get frustrated. I, I don't got it in me to just sit back and watch people die. I just don't got it. I, I can't, I can't do it. It kind of makes me angry. I'm, I, I don't think I'll ever come into acceptance of that and be oh, not just accept it, but to be okay with the fact that they're so clueless that they're going to
0: die. Do you think that the 12-step approach is is not working with millennials? No. It never well, a worked ma- before. A, a majority of it millennials. Did, but,
2: it, uh, it never worked before. The only, and this, of course, in my
0: opinion, Yeah,
2: it didn't work when they did it in 35. The only, <laughs> real, <laughs> the only way it worked, Mike,
0: Wait a minute. Mike Marth about to touch his button and say something right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mike. uh, Mike's being silent He's just steaming in his boots right now It was working fine, goddammit no, okay.
2: <laughs> The reason why I'm saying that is The reason why I'm saying that is Is because Okay If someone's awake, aware And want to do the deal It works 100% of the time Every time Yes, Every time If someone is not awake It's not going to work Does't work doesn't work at all it's, it's, if they're not awake and aware it will not work
0: so what do we advise and, and, so what do we advise the parents of these 22 year old kids that are dying this kid died on Father's Day has a two-year-old kid what we're supposed to be the elders we're supposed to know what to do and I I'm like you I have no fucking idea what to do well I think if that's
2: I think if we're really being honest with these parents you know in a lot of, of course, this is once again. This is my opinion. Yeah, You know, they get these people and they run these people in these centers. They start to say, hey, you're going to work this step. You're going to do this. You're going to do... They're not fucking aware enough to do steps. I wasn't aware enough when I came in. I I, I thought that the big book the, the big book was written by a Mexican painter named Mundo. And I was a year and a half clean. Think about
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> tell, him, tell him that story, please. Tell,
2: there was nobody home. And somebody's going to tell me, hey, you're going to get a look at yourself. You're going to see who you are. You're going to wake up. You're going to see your act. I couldn't see anything.
0: That's right. It, and it, that's- it's like,
2: and let alone even understand the fullness of the disease, the fullness of that concept, the illness, the whatever, and realize that I was really going to die from it. I mean, I've talked to guy, I have a friend who's been. She's been clean 47 years or something. She said it took her eight years before she really did a first step.
0: There you go. And Eight I, years. No, I, I believe that. And see, this is that f- we're talking real, and what's being recited in the meetings is some PR bullshit. Uh, that, that's my take exactly. on it. My take is, you know, we have a solution. Here it is, real simple, and blah, blah. blah and if you do it, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just look around the room at the 20 something crowd, and I know they're not coming back. And if they don't come back, what happens when we all die? Right. Right. Yeah. That was a good ping moment. moment. Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 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 No, I I really you know, I'm a big I'm a big devotee of Mr. Wilson and he wrote in nineteen sixty seven or sixty eight that if 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 the twelve if AA didn't kind of come to grips with um, the the kind of thing that he noticed, which is now set in stone now, which is the psycho and the and the guruism right. and all that. He was the one who said, if 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 we don't do a real gut check in this organization it will die but as right, long not. but but as long i know but as long as two alcoholics are willing to take this book and try to solve their common problem it will always live on and i think that's what you know when you modernize that that's what private meetings are that's what you know this kind of underground weird movements that are going on well, that are more yeah, pure yeah. more pure
2: well, right. But then we still, you know, if we're, if we're getting into this conversation, then we're really starting to define what is pure. Uh, I've had guys run through that book. Okay, I got into, okay, let me pick me up from airport, which you know is frightening. And then when you, you know, you get off a plane to go to a conference or something, and the person says, I asked to pick you up. It's like, <laughs> 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 you know, It's like, okay, now what? What do you want to say now? And this woman said, "I was so angry with you. I'm mad at you. She was. I want to give a talk. And you're quoting this. And she's going. I know that's not in there. I don't know why he put that. Right? She goes. So I went to the page you said it was on, and uh, she goes. The page was highlighted with pink, highlighted with orange, highlighted with blue, and the whole page was covered. She goes. And it was two lines. It was uncovered, and it was the two lines you quoted. So,
1: even
0: though it's Well, I mean, i kind of I mean, I I, I don't study it like a Bible, like a lot of people do. What I what I I'm more interested in how do people come to sobriety. I'm cool. I can figure shit out. I got Christian Marta uh, leading me, so I I don't need a bunch of. I don't need a. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't need religion. I don't need religion, and I don't need self help. I really just want. To help be that bridge from suffering to en- enlightenment, and I know that the twelve step world is probably the safest bet to guide people to who have drug and alcohol problems, right?
2: Okay, right, and I'm with you. But here's the other issue: you know, if, okay, let's say we're going to step out of the, the God shoes or whatever the fuck. Okay, whatever. Do sh- we step out of these shoes? And we're pushing, hey, we need this, we need this, we need this. The trouble is, how many times have you heard people waking up when they hear something that we would never back?
0: Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Go, that
2: guy's full of shit. This that's full of what shit. I'm he saying. Says, full of shit. I and all of a sudden, full of shit says something, and a kid, a 27, 27 millennial that fucking doesn't say, fuck you,
0: listens to that guy and says, whoa, no, for I feel sure. like him. For sure you know. that for sure that's happening. That's why I like to guide people into it. I'm I, I'm I'm the reason why I'm not active and involved in it is because I don't need to uh, to keep going to kindergarten every year and be the smartest guy in kindergarten. And so so <laughs> why not? That, 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 because it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it, feed, it doesn't feed my narcissism. It doesn't feed my narcissism like it does other narcissists. <laughs>
2: yeah it doesn't yeah it doesn't I, feed mine either so yeah. it so, doesn't feed mine either. it's actually it's a bum out. I left a I was somewhere last night and just left something. I just walked out <laughs> I, I, could, I got I got two ways to go here i can I can publicly disagree. But what's going on or I can just leave them to it and leave and I chose
0: yeah. to leave yeah that's what that's what I started to, I just don't go to speaker meetings I don't go to big meetings but one thing that happened was in that subculture and I, I know you guys have a, a thing down in Huntington we started this thing and the preamble is you can't whine you can't complain uh uh and you don't, but you don't have to have a solution, right? Just, you, you know what I mean? You don't. don't. Yeah. So when you limit whining and complaining and solutions, people have nothing to fucking talk about. <laughs> yeah, but here
2: and here, but here, and that's you know, this is a sad point that you just made though, because I was just down in another group, and I said, hey, look, man, the focus is here. We're not, we're not here. Group therapy We're not here to fucking look your problems We're here to talk about Solution From the From from the illness You know What are you doing What's that You know What's happening Let's, You know So So I said that And then this, this Older woman Who'd been clean forever She said Well if I have to Talk about the solution It's a very short share <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then I thought to myself Are you fucking kidding me you're thirty five some years clean, and your solutions are short. Share? Hey, I could give you fucking four hours on one of men's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I could. I could talk to you for. I could talk to you for two months on my conception of a higher power, or lack of.
0: Yes. So, how is your solution? Well, that. But how the is your solution the welcome? idea is, well, well, you got to get back to the basics. But the idea is, we meet on a regular basis, so the new person can come and talk about their problem. That's exactly whoa, 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 why. Whoa, whoa. That's whoa, whoa, whoa. what. That's what the. That's what the book says. <laughs> whoa, now ding, ding, ding,
2: ding ding ding
1: ding 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 ding. Okay,
2: now I can go with you. On this.
1: Okay, now we can, can go to toe to threat. toe.
2: We meet regularly, so the new person has a place to bring their problems. Yes. Okay. Not talk about them.
0: Well, then I, I they, was. They I was not okay. being exact. So,
2: Yes, but what I'm saying is But it's about the new person. Help,
0: but it's about the new person yes, meeting it's
2: about them. us, us giving the new person a solution. So the guy's got a problem, he's struggling, he's dying. He says, Hey, I'm gonna go to Bob and talk to Bob. <laughs> I'm gonna talk at Bob. How just go, he's gonna go, No, so if he wakes up and he's struggling his diet, he goes, I'm gonna go to Bob and I'm gonna get some help. I'm I, gonna get a message from him that has worked. So let and me let me watch. tell
0: you let me tell you what I do because I do it every day. And Jackie, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't even listen to what they say, and they often talk for fifteen <laughs> or twenty or thirty minutes. And I don't, I very rarely listen. And then in the end, I say, well, dude, I don't know what to tell you, but I know it's great that you're not drinking and using today. And that's all you really need to do. <laughs> and, then, and, that, and for some reason, they love that. And they stick around me for about six or eight months. Right. Right. <laughs> and then they catch on that I don't have a solution and then they move on. <laughs> then they're fully <laughs> integrated into the they know everybody and they can pick one of the guys that has a solution. Hey, hey, and that's a whole <laughs> new a whole new chapter right
2: there. <laughs> Hey, I used to call this morning every every night. She said, I want you to check it with me every night, give it leave a short report on my machine. So I do it, man. I start checking. You know, I check it every night. I leave a strong report. And I'm finally realizing, she's not listening to these. She's not listening, right? So then I leave this, you know, five-minute rambling report of all the craziness going on. And at the end, I say, and I have a gun in my mouth right now. And if you don't call me back, I'm going to blow my head off this fucking wall. So that's how I leave it, right? I never get a call back. She never calls back
0: so listen did
2: you ever know
0: did you ever know a woman named gloria scott that that worked at cry help she was she was the one that got through to me so she knew me as this anti-god whatever guy and i was going in and out and out and out and so she said she would help me with the first three steps right so so, she gives me an assignment about how to turn your will and your life over to the care of God. As you understand them, she gives me an assignment to read the first 164 pages of the Big Book with a black marker and black, black out. black one? Or yeah, black one, and black out all the stuff I disagree with. <laughs> 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 this is the greatest assignment. You want to take an antisocial punk rock personality and make them read the first 164 pages. This is a how t- I read it in like four days. I would sit there and look at it, and it made you have to read to decide whether you agreed with that paragraph or not. And then in the beginning, I would blacken it out so hard that you couldn't read the other side. The oh, other that's
2: page. funny, man.
0: And then I'd have to get another book to read that page, and then I have to agree. And I went through the whole thing, and I, after four days, I said I got it done. And now I thought she was going to take the parts I did like and assemble some profound Bob yeah, version of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she, She's a so book. I called her to make an appointment to get together about my stuff that I liked. And she said, oh good. that Oh good. Okay, throw it away. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, throw it away. I just knew when so you are, the only way to get you to read that book was to do it that way. It's... <laughs> <laughs> and to use the term asshole And I was like yeah. This is a woman who understands me <laughs> yeah, That's funny That's fucking
2: funny Could I to the blackout other people's books <laughs> like I, I have told other people Hey fuck it You don't follow it anyway So listen Before you take another guy through the fucking book As the book says Why don't you hand me your book let me black out the shit that you're ignoring. Let me not going
0: to worry about him seeing those parts. How's that sound? But I, th- anyway, I no. But I think we're really uh, I think you, you and I are in agreement that most of these people are not. I see. You don't. I don't know if you know what goes on in the rehabs that I work in, but it's a lot. A lot of psycho babble, trauma, psycho babble, and they're so developmentally uh, like they're not even able to understand what we're talking about you can see it in their eyes right right? Right. but yet that's the only way but that's no frame of reference i don't know that they ever will i don't know that they have the horsepower or inquisitive uh, spirit enough to even understand themselves or the world around them so you got a generation of and i'm i'm talking about not all millennials, some millennials are inventing Facebook, but, but that millennials that's circulating around in the addiction space, they're all high on drugs. All they're the going, ones circling the drain. What they're going, mean? yeah, they're going in and out of rehabs. Their, <clears throat> their parents are beside themselves. That population is not really intellectual, intellectually understanding what treatment is. You know what I mean? Right. And there's no way they're going to transition into a philosophical uh, kind of existential understanding that the big book and the 12-step world is. They don't even understand the concrete of like, you have this, this problem, it's deadly, you need to stay here another month and really integrate into the community. They don't know what the word integrate means. Right. right. So, so when you're dealing with a population that's so weirdly functioning, trying to introduce them to these big psychotherapeutic ideas and then these existential ideas of sobriety and meaning of life and purpose and God's will, it's not going to work. I can tell you right now it's not going to work. So the, so the thing that I thought was we can just educate them on how not to die. You know what I mean? McDonald's right. is always going to need a fry cook And there's millions of them coming Let's reduce the fear Let's educate the population Let's see the death rate go down And then let's move on in our lives I got, I got shit I gotta do <laughs> No
2: Yeah, and that's the key that's where, you know I mean, yes, yes, I agree with you However, they're going to have to find out Some way to deal with life Because <laughs> that's not going to quit Yeah, I, It's not going to
0: quit well, so, no, I don't think they're to do that, ever gonna. I don't think they're ever gonna be sober. I think they're always gonna be taking something. It's just dying while we're force feeding them this solution for baby boomers. I, I just feel right. we have a responsibility in that. Like we're the we're the addicts from the prior generation, we should be able to read the writing on the wall. And go, oh my God, these kids are not really understanding what we're talking about. So let's just simplify things. Don't die. Here's the thing: fentanyl's in the heroin, so be very careful. This kid the other night that died, did you hear this, Jack? He he died smoking heroin. I, you know, smoking right. it. Because right. I just saw they just I just saw thing. Three kids went out and just took the other day.
2: Just three people in Vista died. A friend of mine posted it. and a friend of it. Same thing. The Fennel. It's, you know. It's and crazy. I gotta go pick, I gotta pick my daughter up.
0: I'm
2: really right. enjoying this conversation. And, and,
0: uh, I love the conversation. Is that the daughter who I sat behind you at the desert trip?
2: <laughs> no, it's the other one. That oh, was, okay. That one's hey, that, I will say one thing. That was trips trip me out because she had an episode where she got out of control drinking fireballs or whatever the fuck was going on and and she the next day she cut off all her friends
0: recalibrated I'm not going to hang
2: out I'm not going to hang out with you guys anymore if you want to hang out with me you can come here but I'm not hanging out with you so she cut off all her friends so they gave her shit for a year and a half talked shit on her and she just held tight that's awesome them, see that type of solution me, and she looked at me and she said dad I'm not in a
1: hurry to grow up. <laughs> that, well, I, I won't say her name, but good for her. Good for her. That, that's where that
0: come from. That's that's that sounds a um, lot like dad. Sounds, some, sounds like there's a backbone. Well, that's some honesty and whatever. But I always want to say that, So, Jack, I just got to call you out on this. So, we're, I'm sitting behind them, right, at the desert trip, right? And everybody's Are you talking about Coachella. Desert trip. It's a different thing. It was all the Beatles, the Beatles and everything. I'm just going to listen to you guys talk, anyhow. So I'm loving just sitting there with my gal watching Paul McCartney play. All of a sudden, everybody stands up. And I'm like, Jesus, Jack. Cause I, I, cause I'm old. I don't want to stand up. Right, yeah. So then, and Jack's freaking out, and his daughter's freaking out, his wife's freaking out. Everybody's like having fun. I look all around. I'm, I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it's it's uh it's Rhiannon came out to sing with Paul M- McCartney. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> that made kid, everybody man. stand up. Not that the Beatle yeah. guy was playing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck those Beatles guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll all just sit here when the Beatle guy's playing, but if Rhiannon comes up, we're all gonna stand up. It was the funniest uh, thing yeah, ever. Okay.
2: Yeah, I, I got to listen to shit all the time too.
0: So. <laughs> that was so funny. Anyway, thank you for right. hanging out, you Love
2: you, Jack. Jack. Have a wonderful night. Yeah, have a wonderful show. With hey, Jack. Uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Thanks
0: for, for coming on. Okay.
2: Okay. okay bye, Bye, you guys. bye. bye. Right.
0: So there he is, the great Jack Gersham. I've known of that guy. I didn't know him, but I've known of him since I was 18 years old. That would be 37 years ago, Chuck.
1: You know, and that that's funny because I've, I don't know, I've tried to, I've tried to like set you guys up on so many dates. No, we've
0: talked about sobriety and stuff <laughs> no, but like
1: I that. Mean, I just uh, I thought you guys, would, you guys would get along swimmingly. And oh, then, yeah. then it's like, um, right now I had absolutely nothing to say because two of my favorite people were talking. And How cool is that for me to get to hang out and finally see It was see fun. So did I
0: tell you he gave me my five-year cake by accident? I did, I did not. I was in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest speaking on the addiction panel. Mm. And I was there with Buddy Arnold, who was like, at the time, 81 years old. He really wasn't interested in seeing They Will Know Us by the Trail of Our Dad. Uh, yeah they were emo band with a long name yeah they they, so uh, you know and i'm in austin and i'm speaking on a panel and i'm at south by southwest and it's so exciting so i go out buddy goes to sleep and i'm we're rooming together at this hotel and i go out to go see bands right this is when i knew i had a really. Had lost my place in civilization, so I try. I have the like I'm on a panel pass, right? But I can't get into. They will know us by the trail of our dead. I can't get in. I'm not cool enough. So then I'm walking down the street in Austin. I realize, oh my god, it's my fucking anniversary, five year anniversary. Oh. Right? Hey, hey. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was the. I thought it was the next day. But it was that day because I saw the date on something. And I was like, oh my God, it's March 16th. Oh my God. And so then I'm walking by and this Winnebago is there and, and uh, you know, Ron comes out. And I go, oh my God. Hello, uh, Ron. Emery. And he's like, what are you doing here? I go, I'm speaking on a panel. It's my five year birthday today. And those guys, all of them, went and got a little cake and we did it in the Winnebago. And it was the most meaningful birthday I've ever had. Oh, how cool. Because I was sad and lonely and feeling like a loser.
1: Because you couldn't get into that <laughs> band. Long they name all know band. us by the
0: trail of our dad. Yes. Say it again. I've <laughs> always remembered their name because I'm not cool enough to get into their show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think they're a band anymore. So, but I heard they were good.
0: I'm hoping that that they had a successful career because, you know, But I, I just, I don't. Uh, it was just really, you know that feeling, like you're not even cool enough to get into Safari Sam's. Oh, uh, my God.
1: I get it. I, oh, my God. It happens to me all the time. But <laughs> So if I had to remember the band's names of everybody I couldn't get into, I, I, man, forget it. But I think that's cool. And those guys, I know they take their stuff seriously. I like, They do. You know, Mike and Ron and, and Jack are all good guys, and and well, they make good music still.
0: Well, it came full circle, because I really wasn't a very experienced drug addict. And I toured with TSOL when Woody was the singer. And they taught me, Mike and Ron, taught me things that are very important to being a touring musician and narcotic addict. Mm. I can just tell you, those guys knew the ropes in 1983.
1: Right? Yeah. they. <clears throat> excuse me, they've been around.
0: They knew everything and everywhere. Uh, so, anyways, Jack is... A legend in punk rock and in sobriety. He's very controversial, um, but yet very caring and very passionate and very informed and very um, like it's his thing. You
1: know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, the the passion's there, and we we there were so many other areas we could have gone. But like I said, I was just staying out of the way and letting you guys go where you go. Um, And he has so many funny stories, like that thing (laughs) where he thought that. The guy that wrote the big book was was um, a Mexican painter. You'll have to ask him that story. It's pretty funny, but the the amount of time that he spent with me, um, walking me through situations, and you know, in the in the way he sets about, up, you know, it's not. We don't do. We become uh, friends, and he's been become. He's become a mentor more than anything else, and it's important to have people in my life that I can bounce things off. Whether it's my dad, my wife, co workers jack yeah build, a you, team. build
0: you know? the team build the team
1: and that's i and that's how i think this thing the, the whole thing has worked and you know it is about practicing these principles in all my affairs and surrounding myself with people that i can learn from who have experience and not hanging out with idiots and uh, it's made my life so much more, so much easier
0: yeah i initially i mean if you want to know how sobriety really works i think initially you are a student seeking seeking very simple solutions. So, And I found the teachers were Gloria Scott and Buddy Arnold. That's all I needed. I didn't need Mike. Later on in life, I would need Mike Martin. Later on in life, I would need other teachers and other sharers of the thing. But initially, all I needed was them. And they told me what to do and Reminded me constantly of that I need to go to meetings, I need to shut up, I need to put what I think aside, all these kind of ideas, right? Simple, simple, simple. So I believe anybody can teach the beginning. Oh yeah, but it's we, the, we talked about this uh, before, Bob. We you know like when you and Anthony came over to my house, yeah, and, uh, and like showed that you cared about me, and uh, I mean I never forgot that you know that stop by that simple stop by. That's it. That's drop in you know to hey what are you doing man? Why don't you get you know why don't you get clean you know what are you doing? Look at yourself you know I never I know. forgot that. Uh, that that type of stuff is so important and so meaningful, but then there is life. When you get older, Mm -hmm. when you, you know, I've, and as, as time has worn on, less and less are sober people, my teachers as just healthy, good people, right? So that's that bridge back to the real world that the big book describes, which is, this is a design for living, a bridge back to the real world. So I have my go-to guys in the, in the 12 step world, and I have my go-to guys and gals in the real world. You know what I mean? And and I find a lot of times if I want the real world solutions in the 12-step world, I'll get reinforced my immaturity, my irresponsibility, <laughs> my fear. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to remain, you know, kind of the way that you are. And the reason why that is is because so many people are living in fear, whether they're drinking or not. The fear is this dominant persuasive influence in our lives constantly. And the real successful people in life that never had a problem with addiction, they've been facing fear since they were 12 and 13. They've been overcoming laziness and and self-righteous indignation and, and fear for their whole lives. Right. It's not, a, it's start, not, a, it's not a cornerstone of only
1: yeah. sober people do that. No, and that, that, that's one of the, the biggest limitations. I was talking about this with my wife this week. And that was like probably my biggest limitation was to say, you know what? It's enough just to be, you know, clean, to be above ground, sucking air, man. It's great just to be alive. No, it's not. That's not enough. And then the rest of everything we deal with is they're just life situations. Addicts, especially, and alcoholics really like to think they're unique and that their struggles in life are just because they're addicts or alcoholics. And they're not. They're human problems. And that's where my whole world... But it got big again. It it got really small for a little while when I was drinking and using, because I was just with the people that were doing that. I was what I was doing, and then when I got right or got clean, then my world was small again. But it's it's because it was just people that could knock me on the head, and you know they were they were there to help me stop the bleeding and get things going again. But then it's blown back up to this giant. You know, I've been given a great big world that I get to play in, and it's great. But what the parents need to understand
0: is the kids just need to do the basic, simple stuff and they refuse to. So if, if they're not doing the basic, simple stuff, all the psychobabble diagnoses, medication, trauma therapy, therapy, talk bullshit, is not going to work because they're not willing to do the simple stuff like not use, keep, keep an even keel do what you're supposed to do find a job stay in sober living they're not willing to do those things and the and the bright shiny object that everybody's looking at is i've all this psychology and all the therapy and all the stuff and i've got to say the only reason there is all that therapeutic bullshit in rehab is to get paid that's the only reason exists That's how you get paid. That's how you get paid from the insurance, is to have groups and to have one-on-ones. And, you know, one-on-ones is a big deal now, right? Right. There didn't used to be one-on-ones in rehab. I went through Hazelden, which was the, you know, the Harvard of rehab in 1988. There was no one-on-ones. None. Mm -hmm. The whole thing was driven in a 12-step-based, kind of simple education uh, behavior modification, be responsible for yourself uh, kind of thing, and you had your assignments and you did it, just like in school. Right? And you presented it to the group. Treatment changed into this babble bullshit because of the, indus- the in- insurance industry. That's who insists. There's no quantifiable evidence. When you got just a group of 20 addicts, right? That's what Hazelden was. 20 addicts. I've written out my third step. I read it to the group. I schedule when I'm going to, right? Because there's a list on the wall, okay? that Somebody's doing it on Tuesday, tomorrow. Somebody's doing it on Wednesday. Nobody's doing it on Thursday. On Thursday, I write my name, Bob, Ford, Bob F. I'm presenting my third step at step group on Thursday morning. That's how it worked. And then I read it, and then people gave me feedback. There's no way of quantifying that to an insurance company. Mm-hmm. It's just 20 addicts. Helping each other, right? And sharing with each other. So you understand.
1: Yeah, but there's there's no pre-contemplation. There's no contemplation. There's no preparation. That's action. So you've got people that are already at a teachable phase, apparently.
0: I wanted to stop... I, uh, I, I can tell you that in my heart of hearts I wanted to stop heroin because you know why because I knew it was going to ruin my music career I knew for a fact it was going to and, and, and there was no question in my mind there's no way to take heroin and have, have a successful music career right
1: not for very long for sure
0: but I did hold a reservation that there might be a way with Budweiser
1: <laughs> you know what James Taylor did didn't he, was he? <laughs> but, but no he's, he's on methadone, methadone. He's who wants to be on methadone <laughs> Methadone's worse than heroin I was wondering how Wow that guy was so mellow all the time and Methadone told me, You know he's been a junkie forever But No but Harm reduction Is what
0: I suspect So listen though So I had the reservation of I could drink Budweiser and be successful <laughs> Uh, That's not an uncommon thing But at least I was accepting That I had a problem That heroin was a big problem That heroin I can't do it It's a terrible thing And I was motivated by that And I was pretty honest About my drinking thing Like I don't know If I'm not going to drink I used to say that in the groups And they would say Well you're holding a reservation Mm -hmm. And I would be like But I'm going to try And I did try Not drinking I lasted eight and a half months Out of there Right Went to meetings every day did what i was supposed to do but i had that idea like somehow i just can't see how budweiser is as bad as heroin
1: you really have to experience it to realize it right no that was my last attempt at sobriety um not my last one but coming out of a year and a half sober was i'm just gonna drink and i'm just gonna drink um Budweiser. Well, I just wanted to drink Guinness and like bad. No, just, see,
0: you could get fucked up on that. Yeah, but but no, like water. no vodka,
1: no vodka, no no hard alcohol. Yeah, no hard alcohol. And I wasn't going to smoke any weed, and I wasn't going to do like any weed. drugs whatsoever. And well, I it, I never considered that marijuana wasn't really like a drug. It was just something to kind of you know cool off the afternoon. No, but
0: whatever. so so now we have addicts in rehab that aren't even willing to stop taking heroin
1: right right no they want to keep on the sub they don't think it's a
0: big problem so so that's what
1: i i just think parents have a gut check you gotta let's just try to get them to not die did did i tell you what this one guy said that i found so telling and if i did already say this Mike can cut it out mark mark this part in case i've already what said is it. it. this guy was he was saying he didn't want to taper off his suboxone and I said, Who does? Does anybody I, really and want I says, to? And he goes, You know how many times I go into meetings and they said if they could use without any repercussions, they'd do it right now. And that's what it is to do Suboxone. It's using without any repercussions. Yeah, that's true. You don't have any of the negativity. You don't have to go get money to go get down to get the dope. You don't have to. You're not using a, a syringe. So I, it's just like, Wow, the first guy who was honest about it's not just something that keeps me from wanting to get high. Or keep me from doing heroin, it actually gets him loaded and he gets to do drugs without all the negativity. And people praise him for doing it.
0: No, I get that. I get, listen, I'm not against Suboxone. I'm just against Suboxone for my friends that I care about. Like, I'm honest. (laughs)
1: Like, I don't
0: want people who it's not that hard to get over to the sober side and there's a lot of love around them and there's a lot of understanding in there. And usually my friends are in their late, anywhere from early 40s, late 30s to mid 50s. I mean, that's a generation that really understands how to, how to persevere and has tenacity and has a deep, you know, kind of understanding of life. So the, why they're getting on Suboxone, I'm like, no, 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 no. Come on, live at my house. We'll figure it out. But don't be on that shit. But for millennials that are going to die, I think it might be an an option over dying. But I don't see it stopping the dying. That's the crazy thing. You no, know,
1: that's that's the problem. Is it, It's not stopping the dying. And you know, for a temporary measure, um, if there is real trauma, which a lot of real trauma isn't real trauma, it's um, blown out of proportion. You know, I just really like the idea of having a plan if they come in on it i really like to get them to commit to a taper after 30 days let's commit to a taper because it's so hard to kick that stuff i go dang it i wish you'd never started this but you know you're not going to be fully sober until you come off it i and i've and i've pissed off enough people by saying i don't think you are sober when you're on it well you know what harm reduction isn't sobriety it might keep you alive harm reduction is harm reduction it's not sobriety That's just my opinion, and you know, I love that Jack keeps saying, "This is my opinion." This is my—that's what we do here—is my opinion.
0: Everybody's got an opinion about everything. Like that, there is no facts; don't matter anymore. You know, that's why I I told Doctor Duke ten years ago when it started creeping up. I said, "You know what? I don't even know what sober means anymore." Right? If you can be on opiates, why can't you be on benzos? If you can be on opiates and benzos, why can't you be on pot? If you can be on Opiates, benzos, and pot. Why can't you be on? Why can't you be drinking? Just a little bit. It makes no sense. Right. Listen. the 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 main sin that I hate is that doctors, these fucking psychiatrists, that are just trying to make money, put these kids on Subutex or Suboxone, and then tell them to go to AA and NA. Like, no, they don't need to go to NA and AA. Fuck that.
1: Why do they? They're not sober.
0: They're not trying. They have no desire to stop drinking. They have no desire. There is one requirement, a desire to stop using. It doesn't mean you have to stop using. You have to have a desire to stop using. And if you have no desire to stop using, there is no reason to go to 12-step meetings. It's only going to piss you off and make you angry, and it's going to make you believe that that it's the worst solution to anything, right? I don't think they should recommend that they go to meetings on Suboxone. You you have no desire to stop using, right?
1: Right. Well, a lot of times, and I think if they
0: do want to titrate off, listen, I I wanted to ask Jack, and maybe we'll have him on it. You know, I'm old school. Like I've taken people out to my Joshua Tree house and just. You know, disconnected their car battery and taken their their you know the thing that's inside the 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 spark plug cap.
1: You're asking the wrong guy. I'm a mechanic. So the spark plug thing. So I
0: would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just go out there and I'll give you some volume. Everything will be okay, and then just do it with nothing. And I, you know, (laughs) nothing. Come on, you're gonna be all right. A couple times it worked within like a week, right?
1: Rough couple of days. The car, huh? What? Isn't that where you, you, the guy got the car, got a hold of the car and took the car down? Oh, yeah. That, that, so, that was.
0: So that's like two times that it worked and how and many a, times did you do it?
1: About 40 times it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That's where we need to talk to Warren about helping people out of their but situation I mean, wh- and holding them. What is the success rate? Two out of 40. Let's see. What that's is one that? out of 20. That's 5%. I'm, I'm the same
0: as a rehab. Wow, good for you. Well done. All right. I can get yeah, I have the same success rate as a fancy rehab? No, uh, yeah. and it costs it costs hard, nothing, hardly nothing, unless you steal my car and blow up the engine
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you get a new engine and it's sitting out front. Yeah, so
0: so you know, and I, and I've done it with somebody that died too, which is sad. They didn't die with me years, 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 years later. But um, I did it one time. It was funny. I did it with this guy, and he said, um, you have no right to hold me against my will, Bob. And I said, I'm not holding you against your will. And he goes, then drive me into town. I said, I'm not driving you into town either. But I'm not holding you against your will. You can walk. It was about... 16 miles (laughs) It's about 8 miles to Pappy and Harriet's but I don't know where they Get from there (laughs) I wasn't Holding them against his will I was just not going to drive into town Right but you know I just think we need to try Different things because what We do know hey the kid that you Were talking about that died right so Sad it kills me when they have A two-year-old kid just fucking kills me Right still makes me angry right you know a lot of my friends had two one of them in particular had two year old kid it was just like fuck so uh he'd been to several treatments right yes this is the new thing
1: right so if
0: treatment if we're going to proselytize treatment as a solution we've got to like at least educate people like you know don't die Uh, you know and this kid's obvious kind of thought was if i smoke it i can't die
1: true true and you know and he was he was doing well he got caught up in these people that want to pull people out and put them in another place and he got caught up in all that idiocy oh make a thousand bucks yeah and he got caught up in the idiocy and and it killed him you know and uh well you know that's not what killed him but it, it played a part man so
0: oh that's so sad but we're gonna to try to keep fighting the good fight here at don't die we're gonna get more and more active i'm going up to seattle again to meet with the battlefield addiction people have you ever, i told you about that you're
1: gonna be in newport this weekend right? yeah or newport week. on thursday Tuesday, thursday yeah
0: yeah, I love Darren and the Pillars people. They're nice enough to let me use that as a platform. And you know what? Mostly, if it's only like when you were there last time, right? Mm-hmm. If it's only those 20 clients of Pillars, if they remember, you know, don't die. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to plant the seed like don't die. I don't know. I didn't even think about stopping using until I was 27. I didn't really want to stop till I was 33. You're 20. What are you going to fucking do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that kind of like, I love you, I care about you, I don't want you to die. I want you to start reading Burroughs and on the road and get wised up to life a little bit. But there's no reason for all these kids to be dying. Nope. It's just ridiculous. And the government's not going to do anything about it. And the fucking media is not going to do anything about it. Right? When big pharma is mostly to blame for it. I'm not saying that they're the ones, you know, the, killing the people, but they got the ball rolling. I don't think that these millions of kids would be using heroin if they hadn't gotten started on Oxycontin. I think that's pretty plain spoken and easy to understand.
1: Well, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to hate opium. So you make it easy and you give it to people. You know,
0: that's I can tell you, I used to love introducing people to heroin. Uh, I, I just yeah. did. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I thought it was the key to living life in a very interesting and kind of crazy clean. way. Okay. So from 84 when I started doing it all the time until 88 when I first tried to get clean, I introduced hundreds of people to it. Only two didn't like it. Right? Oh, now, oh. now, not all you know, 200 became heroin addicts. You know what I mean? What was interesting, I'd introduce it to every girlfriend I was ever was with, right?
1: You're a good guy.
0: And then as soon as they dumped me, they didn't do heroin, they didn't go to rehab and they didn't they just you know what I mean? So I really truly believe in the genetic predispositions. Well, so do I I truly really believe, believe in it. In it. So yeah. what I believe is there are millions of Americans who are being labeled addicts that don't have the genetic predisposition. They got the trauma, they got the dependency, but they don't have that intrinsic that you know that main ingredient, right? But these people that would escape me and go live happy productive lives, they were gainfully employed, they were intelligent, they were poised, they were life-experienced, yeah, they, they already were in the late, thir- late 20s, early 30s, they knew what was up. So to transition out of the hopeless helplessness of a 20-year-old millennial that's going in and out of rehab trying to make a thousand bucks to go to a different rehab and the people that I saw who didn't have the genetic predisposition who had gotten addicted to heroin, they Transitioned away without any need for rehab or 12 steps or anything, those people had lives and those people were badass, right? And so, what maybe we need yeah. to do is help these kids have lives and be badass.
1: Yeah, well, right? no, that's a big part of it finding something other than getting high and an Xbox or a PlayStation or whatever. Um, you know, getting out, going, going and living life a little And having them enjoy things Which is a huge part Which didn't use, you know Not just going to meetings And having a good time at meetings But going out and living And finding things to make you happy
0: You know, we're just trying to get the message out anyway and and with partner any partners who want to help get the message out I want parents to understand maybe we need a more comprehensive approach to your kids life maybe you need help in codependency and and helicoptering and so anyways I'm we're we're loving our support from Southern California Addiction Centers, National Addiction Foundation, Aloe Treatment Centers, Pillars, and the Don't Die message. Now, what I need you at home to do is send this podcast to a friend you think would like it. Please, we need more and more and more people to hear this Don't Die message. Because really, I'm lazy. I don't want to be the spokesperson for Don't Die. I want some (laughs) passionate 30-year-old counselor to take it and run with it so I can just say... Yeah, that was my idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Someone to take it and make it successful, so we can say we were. Going yeah, to you know start. what? I,
0: you know what I'm known as? I'm mm. the guy that had, that discovered John Fashanti and John and Josh Klinghoffer. <laughs> That's all. I, I'm, and those guys got to go work and play music. I'm just the guy, just the guy that they played guitar with for a couple of years. That's great. You man. know what I mean? Yeah. It's really rewarding everywhere I go. Chili like, Peppers guitar pool guy. I am the AAA club for the Chili Peppers
1: guitar. <laughs> we need a new no. guitar player. And Who's Bob I working go, with?
0: Everywhere I go, people <laughs> are like, hey, you're the guy that fucking discovered John. I'm like, yep. They have to go through you. <laughs> yep. They, they have, to, have to go through Bob. So I want somebody else to like take Don't Die and make it the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I can't okay. do it. So if you have friends, reach out, send them the podcast, um, email us, reach out to us, tell us what you want to talk about. We'll have you on. If you're the leader of your little group of minions, come on here and let's debate. Tell me how to reduce the death rate. That's all I care about. See you next time. Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast. Got 100 people a day dying of drug overdoses, and it's got to stop. Allo Treatment Centers wants it to stop. We want people to get educated about drugs, about treatment. We want you to learn, laugh, and live, but first and foremost, don't die. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake, 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.